Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today, what I wanted to talk about was what I'm using for mail. A lot of the time, we everybody, I think, has been using Gmail. I think they say there's 1.3 billion people using Gmail. Using Gmail, just Gmail through Google. That's like the whole company running all of our communications. Really, well, and then, you know, and then Facebook. But then, you know, imagine what's going up on you. All this. It's just amazing what they know about. Um, so it's fine that it goes up there. I use Gmail for years. I'm sure it's safe. I'm sure it's useful. It, it really has like a ton of benefit. And it's one of the most clean systems for email use that exists out there. But I've stopped using Gmail. I've switched over and I've started using uh, the Apple Mail app. And uh, I've, I've transferred really. So okay, here's the secret. I have a domain name, BillyNewmanPhoto.com. I was going to plug it, but now I don't have to. Uh, I have that domain name. And so what I did is I set up an email address there, an email forward. It's kind of a geeky sort of technical thing, but I have Billy at BillyNewmanPhoto.com or home at BillyNewmanPhoto.com or help or, you know, something like that. Some, some sort of like general business forwards for an email address. But this Billy Newman photo at Billy or what, I don't know, but whatever that email address was, I've set that up to forward to an iCloud address that I have set up in my IMAP system. And I've really been pretty happy with that. It, I don't use email very much. I get only a handful of messages. And so this is a pretty mellow system that works for me. And what helped is that since I'd used Gmail for so long, I had all my, my kind of spammy emails still go to Gmail. So I still use Gmail and that captures all of my ads and all the promotions and all that sort of stuff. And I'm trying to divert sort of my more private, uh, kind of more interesting conversations or you know, maybe I'm like trying to get jobs or my professional stuff. I'm trying to like send a proposal out sort of thing. I'm trying to do that under a more kind of professional, a little bit more clean, a little bit more lightweight email system. And I'm trying to drop most of the Gmail stuff and have that go toward, you know, Amazon emails and eBay things and promotional stuff and all that, and all that newsletters, whatever that is, that can all show up there. But the important stuff, I transferred all of that stuff over to another, another version of email. And, uh, and that helps me out a ton. It's been kind of cool. And I don't really miss the spam filtering or anything like that. I'm not really a big target for that sort of stuff. If you are, maybe it's not for you, but just an idea to check out. Why does everything go through Google? Just a question. So you can uh, go through me at Billy Newman on Instagram or BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for checking me out. You can see more of my work at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. Dude, I put up a couple photos this last week, like that teepee ring I was talking about in Eastern Oregon. And, um, and teepee is kind of a colloquial, or, you know, it's like, it's a word we would understand for a canvas hut made to be a dwelling. I don't know. So I'm sure there's lots of different forms of it. I was looking up a little bit more after that. And it looks like, it, I think that site, like that, that TP ring site that I was looking at, I think it was established like 2,500 years ago. Maybe that's correct. It could be 2,500 BC. It could be all sorts of things. There's, there's, uh, there's information out there. I think from the University of Oregon, one of the researchers that was there did their dissertation in the early 90s on an archaeological site that was near that area. And they found remnants of the Clovis people. I think I mentioned that this last time. The Clovis people was that, was that group that came through 
after like the land bridge, you know, like the, like the original kind of kind of group of people that came through the area. Um, and so for a long time, they didn't really consider that they were in the Oregon region or the Oregon territory, but there's a lot of evidence. I mean, I think like the Fort Rock shoe, if you find, you can see uh, pictures of that. I think it's like a, you know, it's a, it's an interesting artifact, but I think it was dated to like 12,000 years ago. It's, it's like one of the oldest human rem, remnants out there, but it was this cache of shoes that was out by little Fort Rock. And then I think there's another one out uh, near Paisley, another set of caves where there was a cache found. Uh, so there's some really interesting stuff out there. But today um, I posted a photograph of, uh, of one of the rocks that I found out there. It's just kind of a cool two-toned uh, piece. I don't know if it's Jasper or if it's just something else like that, but it's this cool two-toned piece of rock. I think Jasper uh, that kind of flows from from like an auburn sort of orange color into a deep red color at the top of it. It was just kind of a cool thing. And and what's cool about Eastern Oregon is um, is you can just walk around out there and there's so much of the geology exposed. And there's so much land exposed. There's a lot of really cool stuff that you can walk around and find. There are just some really interesting pieces that you can go about and find uh, that show a lot of the, the geological history of the past out here, like um, like where obsidian came from in Oregon. It's really interesting when you start finding. Uh, like naturally formed obsidian in some places. I think like after Mazama, that was a big one. There's another area called Glass Mountain out in Eastern Oregon. But Oregon was a really big uh, location of it. I think specifically because of the Cascade Mountains, there's a lot of volcanic activity that created that. And it's interesting too, because I, I suppose that, I suppose because I've read that, uh, that as archaeologists like look at the type of stone it is, even further back toward like the Mississippi, they find... Um, they find artifacts that are made of obsidian and they can trace that stone source back to the West Coast, which is really interesting. I think it's sort of um, an indicator of some of the more established trade routes that they had where they would trade flint stone and obsidian stone um, across tribes and it, it would end up migrating for you know thousands of miles across the United States. But it's really interesting when you start kind of picking up on some of that and, uh, and way cool when you get back out there into eastern Oregon when, uh, when that stuff's exposed on the ground, you can walk around and, and like, oh, well, look at this. Look at these types of look at this type of soil. Look at this kind of rim rock. Look at these petroglyphs. Oh man, there's lots of Indian remains out there. It's really interesting. So all that stuff super fascinating to me, and and a lot of it we like I was mentioning before we don't really get to see over here in the Willamette Valley uh, from the Kalapuya Indians that were over here, and a huge population just just a thousand years ago, all from Eugene to Portland. There was a bajillion people um, that kind of that that populated this valley because it's so fertile. I'm sure, you know, it's a great place to live. Uh, or it's a it's a pretty suitable, moderate climate in a lot of ways. And uh, man, way better than the east side of the Cascades. Oh, it'd be rough out there. Imagine like a winter out in Burns before there's a Burns. Yikes. That's what I was hearing about is, uh, yeah, lots of stuff out there in all those lakes. But uh, but really interesting to go uh, to go check out and look at and kind of learn more about that sort of stuff. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it if you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Billy Newman photo.
I've been trying to learn Unix. I've been trying to learn like the, the Mac OS command line terminal stuff. I don't know if you guys have learned any, uh, any stuff in, sh- in a shell language before. Way back. Like years ago, like back in the 90s, you guys might remember when you, when you got your first PC at the family. And like when I was a kid, I really wanted to play video games. I wanted to play video games so bad. But all the video game installation systems for Windows PCs, they were all this DOS-based system. So you had to put in the disk, and then you had to like go into DOS, and then change it from the C drive to the D drive, and then do some command line thing that I did not understand at all at the time. Any of those directions were way over my head. So it was always like so hard and frustrating. I remember just having kind of like... Uh, you know, panicked frustrations about trying to get command lines to work and not understanding what you're supposed to type in or that there's commands you're supposed to put in. It was always so frustrating. I learned it a little bit, and I'd gotten into computers when I was young, and so I figured out some DOS stuff early, but I was never proficient in it. I could never really move about a file system in a command line before. And so it was cool. I, I, I didn't really know anything about the Mac OS system. I know that uh, it's Darwin. I know that Mac OS was based on Unix and, like, the Unix... Uh, file handling system, kind of the same way that like Linux is based on that, and uh, Unix is like the old command line system of file management stuff. I think that was back. I, there's all sorts of stuff I don't understand because there's like the PowerShell system, which I guess is more for scripting languages, or for I guess there's a lot of powerful stuff you can do on that server side, and then there's a lot of stuff originally that stuff was set up as where it's like more like a file cabinet system and I've been kind of learning about that I'm not an expert on any terminal stuff by any means but it's been really cool kind of getting a bit more understanding about how to get powerful use out of a Macintosh computer and uh, it was cool learning a few commands on it I guess if anybody wants to try it I'd go into well I'll tell you what I've been doing I don't know if you guys would want to do this but um, I've been going into terminal I installed a new shell in terminal called fish. When you first get started with shell or with the terminal on Mac, it's the bash shell. You can learn, I guess, what that stands for. It's like the born again shell. I don't know. It's something that came out in the 70s. It's, you know, it's like early 70s, right? I don't know. This stuff goes way back for, uh, for computer stuff. But, uh, but I installed like an updated shell that gives me a couple different color modifiers and it kind of helps. It helps fill in. It helps auto-complete some of the stuff that you're trying to do in command line, which saves a ton of time and makes your my syntax use way easier because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when to put a space. Do I put a dash and then a space and then a letter, or do I just not? Or how do how do I pipe a command? What am I doing here? So none of that stuff I really understand. And so the auto-completion stuff of a more modern shell that you install on top of that makes a big difference. But first, it takes a huge amount of time. I guess you can type in man man. And that'll be that. That will bring up like the manual for Unix or for all the Unix commands. You can kind of get a handle on how to learn that. But really, the best way is to go to YouTube and to follow a tutorial for a while of, of learning some of the basic commands. Some of the basic ones that I've learned is like CD for change directory. That's how you you like move from one file to the next file. So if you're in like oh I'm in my users folder, but I'm going to go to my documents folder now. So you do CD documents, and then it moves you to that. Then you type in LS to list the contents of the folders in that. And then like you look at that, and then you can open up those programs in a writing program, or you can create files. That's been really cool. I've learned how to do that. The other part that I've been learning is, um, and I, I've not messed with this before either, but is, uh, is with like Homebrew, which I guess is a package manager. It's kind of so you can download programs from the internet, or you can download additional utilities or applications into Terminal, and then run them from terminal. It's pretty cool. There's there's ways you can do more advanced things where you can get um, 
you know, just like your Mac OS apps that you would probably likely want to download. You can get those through Terminal if you'd want to install. But with a lot of these installation packages, it's for it's for these really interesting kind of applications that are quite old, like they're 20 or 25 years old. Like you, um, I downloaded an email program that was new, right? It was a command line email program, I think called Alpine. It was made by like the University of Washington back in 2001 was the last time it was updated. And you're like, hey, wow, that's pretty new software. No way. That's cool. Uh, but you can look around, and there's all these different formulas. Like, there's MP3 players, there's file converters, there's video converters, MPEG converters, there's, like, system utilities, there's disk usage utilities, there's networking utilities, there's games. Like, I put Zork on there, I put Tetris on there. Uh, I've been trying to, like, learn a few things uh, on just, you know, how to open stuff, how to run stuff in there, and it's been kind of cool. There's There's all sorts of environments in there that I just had no idea really existed, but there was a whole, like, functioning computer system that existed without the graphical user interface that we put so much time into. So anyway, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Uh, it's just kind of a hobby thing, but uh, I've been trying to learn a little bit of productivity out of it too, because there's, uh, like I would ever do this, but there are some interesting things that you can do. One of the commands that I thought was interesting was the SIPS command. You can probably look that up, like man SIPS, man space SIPS, for the, the manual for the command SIPS. But I guess that's the, like a Macintosh image processing thing, something, commands, system. I don't know what it does completely, but there's cool things you can do with that where if you have a folder of images, say you find a directory and it's got a folder of images, but those are all large images and you want to resize those for the web, you can duplicate that folder. This would be the process I would do. Is In the GUI, I would, I would make a copy of that folder. I would navigate to that in command line and I would type a command like sips space and then the name of the folder or like the, the size of pixels I want the image and then the name of the folder and it would process in the command line it would process all of those images to be resized to that format and to that size so it was interesting I did an experiment like where I was taking uh, some photos that were like 5 megapixel images and then I would drop those down to 400 width pixels uh, or you know like a, a, a 400 pixel width image that I could put up on a website and it was cool. I could just take the whole folder, and then I could write the command, and then you could see it process out all those images. And then you go back, and it would be a resized image. It was really cool. But it's just interesting kind of seeing your computer work and then understanding how to layer in commands and get some action out of it. I hardly know how to do anything. I'm totally novice at it. I can barely kind of move up and down the file system and get something interesting to look at. But most of all, it's just kind of me like looking at it and go, huh, how about that? But I don't know how to use it at all. I mean, there's so many system developers or, or like network analysts or you know people that actually like get into computers that aren't in media. And for computer development or for for application development, there's still like a whole range of uses and applications and systems that people that are in that really get into quite deeply. So you can kind of see like how powerful these tools are, and at a certain level. When you're trying to get into powerful tools, you, you just move into terminal. You move into everything that you can do in Unix. It's really interesting. So it's been kind of fun to do. I'll talk about it more in uh, kind of a fun, goofy way. But uh, yeah, man, getting into Unix. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com few new things up there some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources some some links to books some links to some podcasts links to some blog posts all pretty cool but yeah check it out at billy thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast talk to you next time